Cincinnati. Welcome to episode 230 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. My name's Paul Hirons. And oh, doesn't it feel good? Doesn't it feel good on this Monday? Feels like someone's had a bit of a tickle on your undercarriage, doesn't it, Nathan Palmer? <laughs> well, what a way to get it started. It absolutely does, my son. And what a fantastic win for the Bengals. Out of nowhere, really, that performance. But we'll certainly take it, won't we? Oh, I mean... It's everything we hoped for, but more, I think. I think there was a sense, uh, it was a sense of, what was it? A sense of they have to come out of this by firing on all cylinders. And um, if they don't, their season could not necessarily be over, but it would be in, you know, in a perilous state in terms of qualifying for the playoffs, wouldn't it? It, would, it wouldn't have been over, but it would have been tricky... Trickier, let's put it that way. Well, you'd have been second last in the AFC with three wins. Like every single um, team in the AFC has got three wins now, apart from the Patriots with two. You know, that's so tight in there now. Every team in the AFC North got a winning record as well. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was must win. It seems silly saying must win at sort of, you know, six weeks in, but it really was. And such a strange game as well when the prep up um, to it, because... You all thought Brock Purdy was going to be out. Everyone was saying, look, Sam Darnold's very likely to start. It's very unlikely that he's going to get through that concussion protocol. And then day before, nope, nope, he's playing. Now, I don't know if that's a bit of mind games and trickery from the 49ers, but, you know, I thought when they were going up against Darnold, I thought, yeah, they've got a real good chance here. You know, they're back, even though it's away from home and McCaffrey's back and everything else. You kind of think, no, I reckon we've got a good chance against Sam Darnold. But, with Purdy there, you think, oh, God, this is them at pretty much full strength, barring Debo Samuel. And what a performance. You know, it's one thing with defence do what they always do and playing like that and, you know, bending and not breaking. But where did that offensive performance come from? Well, we should get to that in a moment with some reaccione. Um, How have you been this week, Nathan? I must say that I am quite chipper. who has some pretty heavy six months or so with with my family stuff going on but it seems to be emerging from the the darkness now so that's good uh, and i am i am house sitting uh which is why listeners may uh, notice a change in uh, audio quality because uh normally i have a nice little setup at home and i forgot to bring a key component of my setup to my brother's house uh so we've had to record this via zoom so i apologize for the for the for the average sound quality, but you know who cares? We've just beaten the 49ers in San Francisco. Have a bit of that up your ass, San Francisco. <laughs> Not that I'm pleased because San Francisco uh, have inflicted many wounds on my my personage over the years, and they still they seem to kind of ooze puss every, every time we play the, the, those 
people. So I'm very happy that we finally we've beaten the 49ers for once. I think Ken Anderson put it very well on Twitter today, didn't he? He said, uh, great performance. Well done, lads. I wish I knew what it was like to beat the 49ers. And it's uh, that's that's the that's the overriding sentiment. It's great feeling to beat those guys. But um, yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm in Brother's house. I've got two dogs around me. So again, apologies for um, any dog noises, uh, either from the mouth or the from the uh, dog hole. Um, and also... <laughs> This is a profanity-laden start to this podcast, son of a... I don't care. We beat the 49ers in the 49ers' backyard, and that's good. And also, uh, the boiler comes on. It's quite noisy. I'm in the kitchen. I'm all over the shop tonight, Nathan, so I need steering. I need you to steer me, to guide me through. I'm rudderless. I need you to be my rudder. Nathan Rudder Palmer. Well, I'm feeling extremely chipper today. You know, Monday can be a bit of a bleak day at work, can't it? But I think when you get a good win like that, it's been a while since the Bengals have really had like a really stonking win like that where they're not favourites. And I'll tell you what, I think someone said it last week. Joe Burrow, when he's the underdog, his record is just insane. You know, when the chips are down and people say, I don't think you guys got a chance here. You're going into this as the underdog. That is where he and that offense play their best football. They almost struggle in those games, like against the Cardinals and against some, you know, the Browns and teams that, you know, the Bengals were probably a few point favorites against. But like when people doubt him and people pick the 49ers and they say, oh, we don't know if you're going to be able to do it against that sort of defense, that is where he and that offense are just so lethal. Oh. Yeah, it's good. I like it. I like this feeling. It's a nice feeling, isn't it, Nathan? It's a nice feeling. Um, and I'm feeling very nice. I feel like some booze, but I'm sort of not been drinking recently. I, I'm feeling that might uh, be about to change when I become tour leader to 35 uh, men and women, um, British Bengals fans, as we go out to Cincinnati this Friday. So that's exciting. Uh, although my liver is possibly quite scared um anyway shall we uh shall we get on to that we'll uh um well no actually i tell you what i normally do these sort of public service um announcements for later on in the show but let's just talk about this this one um now part of our leadership group is uh uh amy smith and dan o'neill and they are a very fine pair of individuals and uh, the first time I met Amy was was when uh, the Rams were, you know, in the Admiralty, that's how kind of... And today marks, by the way, Monday the 30th, marks the, what is it, uh, sixth anniversary of the Bengals first playing in an international series game at Wembley. They played uh, Washington, who were obviously called something else back then, in 2016 in that memorable 27-27 tie, and it is it is the anniversary today, Nathan. So there you go. Um, but yeah, going back to Amy and Dan, um, I met Amy in the Admiralty, and I bought my Bengals UK gear in fully, you know, because I I sort of asked if I could set up, you know, the old roller banners, and so we could have a nice little presence within the pub. And I, uh, Amy, was sitting um, uh, a little table there. Um, and she was kind of on her laptop. And I thought 
she was the manager of the pub. So I went over, introduced myself and, and just talked to her as if she was the manager of the pub. And I, I was asking her if we could do things and whether, where we could set up, whether oh, everything is okay over there, could is it okay to set up there, blah, blah, blah. And she, she was going, yeah, that's fine, that's fine. But then she then 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 I realised that she wasn't the manager of the pub. She was she was uh, at all. She was Amy Smith, and it was very embarrassing. And she still finds that hilarious today. Anyway, that's how I first met Amy. They've been a crucial part of Bengals UK ever since. She's a brilliant photographer, uh, and Dan is a brilliant production person. And do you know what, Nathan? Go my son. They are getting married. Uh, yeah. So Dan uh, popped the question. Amy said yes. So um, we'd like to wish, I think, everyone at Bengals UK and uh, everyone that knows Amy and Dan and those who don't, I'm sure, uh, on their behalf, um, I can wish them every success and every congratulations. And, uh, yeah, a Who Day wedding. And the, the next Who Day wedding uh, is um, on the cards. Now, speaking of weddings, do you remember la- last uh, last year when we went to – when we went to Cincinnati, Nathan, well, you didn't go, but, you know, the, the trip to Cincinnati. And I came back and told you about Joe and Rasha, a lovely couple from Newport in Wales. Uh, and Joe uh, amazingly got down, bended knee on the on the banks of the River Ohio and popped the question to Rasha. Do you remember that story? I do indeed. Well, they have tied the knot. They have tied the knot. So, again, um it's all smiles here at Cincinnati. It's uh, it's congratulations to Amy and Dan, and also congratulations to Joe and Russia who sealed the deal. He put a ring on it, and they got married. Amazing stuff. So lots of congratulations and love, and um, we wish all of those guys well. But anyway, Any plans to go down on one knee in Cincinnati, some when you're out there next week. Well, I am looking for a Cincinnati-based wife. So um, if anyone would like to come forward and uh for themselves uh i will be holding extensive interviews with them um with p- uh, potential candidates for this exciting new role that has emerged um so yeah anybody who wants to throw in that into the ring i'm not fussy to be honest so you know you might as well have a go if you want um <laughs> <Mind me. laughs> um but no i'm joking um or am i i don't know um so yeah um uh, well, we'll go on to this subject for let's get on to reaccioni before I make a, a, a real fall out of myself. Right, the Bengals 31, the San Franciscans 17, and really, Nathan. That final score should have been 41-24, shouldn't it, really? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what a you would not certainly have predicted that, really, would you, going into that game? I mean, what a what a performance from the Bengals. And, uh, yeah, I mean, when they needed it the most, in a time of need, I think we should say. Yes, it was a time of need. Uh, I think both of us, before the season, had written this off as a loss. And I think... As the, as the season went on, the way we were playing and the way the San Franciscans were playing, we also had this down as a loss. We didn't, you, you didn't see this as a win at all, did you? Apart from maybe two days ago. 
No, 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 I don't think so. Um, going away from home is so difficult, isn't it? So you go to the West Coast, you know the 49ers, very well coached, great defence, looked fantastic last year when they were fully fit. Um, you know, you've got such great pieces, Brandon I, George Kittle, I think Purdy's a great player. He, he had a bit of an off um, end to that game yesterday. But, you know, Nick Bosa, some of the players in that defence, is a hell of a unit. Um, and I think for the Bengals going away to really someone with the bookies would be a top three, four team for, um, you know, as favourites for the Super Bowl, relatively healthy at their end. And, you know, you've gone and hung a, not a beating on them, but a certainly, you know, when you go away from someone and you beat them by about two touchdowns, it's a hell of a performance. And, you know, I'm not sure many people going into that game. I think Bengals were about three, four point underdogs going in something along those lines um maybe even slightly more than that so just an absolutely rolls voice of a performance i think you can say would you say what was that word that you used for a heavy beatdown last year that was quite funny throlicking it was it a throlicking i don't think it was because we didn't because they're they're really capable of just scoring points from nowhere and even when we were because we were in the league pretty much all game weren't we and then that makes such a huge difference, right? And, um, yeah, and I just thought, we need to put these guys away. We're not putting them away. We're getting chance after chance. Um, but then we really did seal the deal. And um, it was a terrific all-round. And, you know, which everything that was spoken about this year, it was an all-round performance, wasn't it? The offence came out and played an absolute blinder. And then the defence complemented the offense with some real shutdown plays. You know, you're always going to give up chunk plays against the 49ers, I think, don't you think? And we did do, you know, Brandon Ayuk got over 100 yards, Kittle got over 100 yards receiving, um, but we made the plays. And this is what this defense is really bloody good at. And that's making plays when the chips are down, making plays when the game needs it, making plays when the team needs it. They know they've done it for the past two years or three years actually now, um, or two and a half. Um, they need, they know how to win. They know when the chips are down, they know how to do it. And, you know, Hendrickson closed that game with a sack. Uh, Tony Romo was like bang on actually. He said, this defense is quite rare because it seems to get better as the, as the game yeah. goes on, do you know what I mean? That's I thought that was point. a really, really good yeah. point. And sure no, enough, Hendrickson came out to play uh, after he looked as though he might be injured, but he didn't. And then I think Hubbard, you know, it was Hendrickson really that really closed that game defensive rise. Mike Hilton got the inception. Jermaine Pratt made a huge play. That was fantastic. Uh, yeah, just, uh, just incredible. Just incredible. We haven't even started talking about Joe Boy yet, have we? No, and I mean, that, that, that's where I just think, again, like the defence, the credit it gets. Because you look at the stats for that game, you know, they outdid us on yards 460 to 400. They outdid us on yards per play. Um, you know, they really were like we, you know, we, they get more sacks than us. You look at it, you'd say, oh, you know, that that worries me um, quite a bit. But is the turnovers. Is that defence coming up big? You know, as well as Joe Boys played there in the offence, you know, we get to that in a second. Three turnovers in that game, one of them in the red zone, just absolutely phenomenal to switch the game on its head because you don't have those turnovers and the 49ers score, and it's that's a very, very close game in the end there that would have come down to the wire. And in the end, you look at it and you you know just see the score 
31-17, it looks fairly comfortable. Just to, you know, just to touch on something, what a great game of football. I just thought it was a really enjoyable game. You know, it's a bit of free scoring, it's a great defensive play. It was a really good game if you were in neutral watching that. But obviously as a Bengals fan, you know, that, that was one of the most enjoyable games that I've seen for a long time, especially us coming out, you know, with such a um, you know, nice looking victory, shall we say. Yeah, they were they, it was it was it was tit for tat, wasn't it? For in parts of that. Um just sort of big two big heavyweight teams going at each other. I know Trent Williams wasn't playing, uh, and I know uh, Debo wasn't playing, um, but they still had Ayuk. McCaffrey looked good. I thought per- I was actually quite. I know he, you know, I know he screwed it up a little bit towards the end in the second half, but I think you've got to give more credit to Lou and his uh, half-time yeah. adjustments than yeah, yeah. Purdy playing really poorly. But I thought Purdy looked really good in patches. Like yeah. he's got some wheels on him. He can really move that guy. Which is something that um, I didn't, I didn't realise. He also is the spit of Lee Harvey Oswald. For anyone who knows who <laughs> Lee Harvey Oswald, but we won't go down that route um, too much. But yeah, um, fantastic. Yeah, like you say, a really fun game. I, you know, I thought this was going to be. I don't know. I didn't. Someone, someone mentioned it on Twitter. They said we're either going to win by twenty or lose by twenty. And thankfully, we won by 20. Do you know what I mean? It was just a difficult one to predict because you just didn't know what Bengals were going to turn up. And I think, you know, they made such a big deal on commentary that the Bengals were just under centre a lot more, um, which really frees up a lot of misdirection and or creates a lot of lot more misdirection Helps the running game. I mean, Joe Mixon looked as though he, he was being shot out of a cannon. Where is it? Mm. Where did he get that explosiveness from? I think it might purely be the fact that it was mostly under centre stuff in the first half. Um, and then, of course, you had Joe. Joe Boy's accuracy was back. Did you see that insane stat of like? Uh, I think he completed eighty-eight percent of passes. That was. Close to breaking Ken Anderson's record. And by the way, the record is 91%. Can you imagine that? 91% of passes. That's incredible by Kenny. But anyway, incredible by Joe Boy in this game. Um, his, his timing was back. His accuracy was back. He was he was throwing the ball beautifully. There was one uh, pass in the second half that beat a double team to chase on the sideline and Chase had to kind of toe tap it in. That was a beautiful pass and catch. Beautiful pass and catch to Tyler Boyd. Um that was threaded through an absolute needle in the first half. Yeah, so basically Joe looked fully back in terms of accuracy. And do you want to talk about his mobility? Because holy moly, he was he was back there as well, wasn't he? Well, I, I'm completely right. And that's just what underpins Joe Burrow's game. You know, as good as, as accurate as he is and as much as he can put the ball down the field, he can just very sneakily um, evade sacks, make plays happen with his feet. And he did that yesterday. You know, that one at the start of the game where he's dancing around, he sort of goes in and out and around the other side and, you know, then gets the ball off of the first down. It's a game-changing play. And, you know, sneaky, like, on his, you know, on the ground yesterday, Joe Burrow's six carries, 43 yards. You know, in key times as well, picking up first downs on, you know, third down and things like that. So, you know, just a, such a big game um, for him to do that in. And I think the thing with the mobility, it, it makes defences have to respect that. You know, they have to account for that a bit more, I think, at the start of the season, that knowing that he wasn't quite 100%. 
he can perhaps scheme a little bit differently, knowing that he's not really going to step up and, you know, get off on the Jets. So, yeah, that's a really big part of his game that's now back. And, yeah, I think as well the confidence, the confidence that he can do that, that he's not restricted, that he's not worried about someone, you know, landing on him and, you know, inflicting more injuries. I mean, I'm sure he's still got a bit of discomfort there. I doubt he's 100% healthy. They'll say he is, but I bet there's still a bit of, you know, a discomfort there lingering and, you know, he, he probably still, you know, just getting there. But what a what a time for him to step up because we talked last week and we talked, you know, the, the previous six weeks. I mean, Bengals dead last in offense, you know, dead last in rushing, dead last in this and that. And you look at look at it all, and like, it's just such a hard one to figure out because we know what they've got. We knew they were capable of doing something like this, but it is just a strange, um, a strange thing to sort of switch the light on as they did yesterday and just unleash it on a team as good as the 49ers, just in some ways quite bizarre because you can sit there and pick the bones out of it like we do every week. You know, they should do this. Why don't they do that? What's going on with this? What's going on with that? And I genuinely don't think I've been more confused as a Bengals fan as I was sat here on the podcast last week thinking, you know, what's wrong with them? Like how, you know, is it Nixon? Is it Joe Burrow? Is it, you know, his calf? Is it, the, you know, is it the coaching staff? Is it this and that? And you know, we both sort of concluded perhaps a bit of everything, isn't it? You know, but even so, it's like they shouldn't be that bad as they were through six weeks on offense. Mm-hmm. And like I said, just absolutely magical to come out there, put a complete game together from them. You know, you couldn't ask much more apart from, you know, you'd say, all right, fair enough. That Irv Smith fumble was a real problem, you know, right down there at the goal like that. He's really had a rough start to life in Cincinnati. But take that out of the equation and you can't ask much more from those boys on offense. I I think it's uh it is it must be a combination of both because I think but I must say I think it's mostly Burrow. I have to say because I think when the team sees it, their quarterback who someone who's as good as Joe firing it all over the place, hitting receivers, escaping. I mean there was that famous, you know, clip or moment when he evaded two sacks in one play, rolled out to his right and fired it to T for a first down. That was just astonishing. Yeah. Um, I think when, and also, it, again, it allows you to be more diverse. He, he literally couldn't throw the ball in the first three weeks, I'd say. Yeah. Um, so when he's fully fitness, he can get under centre. You can mix it up a little bit. You can put the defence on their heels a little bit more. You can um, get mix and going. You can introduce the play action. There were some really nicely designed plays yesterday that we haven't seen all year precisely because Joe Boy just hasn't been mobile enough to to do it, you know. But And the fact that really he got us back, well, not he, but the team managed to claw its way to three and three without a functioning quarterback. Yeah. Or at least a fully functioning quarterback is. I think we might look back and say, "Bloody hell, that was some effort." Um, so yeah, they've just got to keep it going because they, you know, next what three or four games: Bills at home, Houston's, and then the um, then uh, it's the Ravens away. Now I think the Ravens are beatable because they 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 keep playing average teams and they're playing averagely. But they're still winning, so I, you know, I think there is a chance for that. But anyway, that's casting our minds a little bit forward. I, uh, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed the game. It was so great. Um, it was just so great to see us playing 
up to our up to our abilities, really. Do you know what I mean? Because I think everyone was, was super frustrated with the fact that uh, you know we we were losing these games, and again we were losing quite handily, weren't we? It wasn't like one apart from the Ravens game. It wasn't just like one or two sort of points we were getting blown out by twenty points, which just you know for a team of this quality and and experience, that's just that shouldn't be the case. But um, so yeah, it was just nice to a bit of relief really to see to see that the team is the team that we thought was there is definitely there. So now it's all about carrying it on. But that is that is three unbeaten, Nathan. No, absolutely. And I think you've got to give a lot of credit here to the coaching staff as well, because they've been very good coming out of buys. That was always a criticism of Marvin was the fact that you know, they come out of buys, perhaps didn't look as prepared as they should, didn't take advantage of that extra prep time. And that's something this coaching staff done a really good job at, you know, to go in there and execute like they did yesterday across all phases, you know, in a very difficult environment against a very good team. You know, they get so much criticism when the Bengals are losing and people questioning, you know, should Zach be calling the plays? I mean, we, you can vouch for it just on the, you know, the correspondence we get. If you, you got out yesterday and we'd scored seven points and they'd beat us 30 to seven and, Joe Boy struggling again. I mean, there would have been absolutely hellfire for Zach not calling the plays. Is Callahan right? Pollock, you know, the whole thing would have been, you know, thrown at the coaching staff. And in some ways, you can understand that. You know, the offense has been, you know, pretty woeful until this point. But I think you do have to turn around against a very good defense. You know, certainly a top five, absolutely guaranteed top ten defense of the 49ers. And they've gone in there and, you know, like I said, barring the fumble. Have executed perfectly, and that does come down to a lot of prep and studying and game planning and execution from a play, a play calling standpoint. So I think you do have to just deal with it, give a little nod to the coaches because it's easy to you know sit there and just lay everything on Joe Boy, Jamar Chase, mix another good game yesterday. But I think you have to give the coaches their their credit in a game like that when you know if not you'd have turned straight around and said it was probably them that was the reason behind the defeat. So fair play to Zach and Callahan and everyone like that you know, stepping up and doing their research and getting the results for it. Well, I see that Lou is getting a lot of smoke blowing up his bottom again uh, today. And during the uh, the broadcast, because Romo was all over it, really. He, loved, he loves a bit about Lou, doesn't he? Um, and rightly so. I mean, we, we've all known it for a while. And, you know, I, sometimes, again, it's always, I find it so difficult, really, to sort of, you know, grade coaches and stuff. We all know that Lou's an incredible coach and the work that he's done with, these players and it does make you worry a little bit doesn't it if he was to go in the off season like this there's a very good chance barring a complete capitulation from us that that will be the case during this off season he'll certainly get the looks um yeah. around the league and you wonder all right cool like you know is there whoever we get in the Bengals I wouldn't be surprised to try and you know promote from within but even if they did go outside and get someone in to do the job you do worry what the the drop-off will be there because I think that all those guys are you know, absolutely bought into what Lou's doing. They know how he, you know, how he, how he works, what he schemes up. They've got a lot of respect for him. Um, and you just hope that wouldn't change too much getting someone else in. Because I tell you now, the defence, I say it every single week, they've been, the, you know, they've been the unit that has been keeping us in this and winning these games. We would not be, as you were saying before, about, you know, not having a functioning, fully functioning quarterback for six weeks. We'd be one and five if it wasn't for them. And that's probably being generous. And that, then your season's over. And now we see they're four and three, you know, having just beat one of the best teams in the NFL, all being very buoyant and looking at the Bills at home saying, you know, we're favourites of that game. All of a sudden you win that, you're five and three and 
you know, everyone's talking about the seedings and the playoffs again. You know, the NFL is very week to week in terms of how people perceive things. But it goes, it absolutely starts with that defence of what Lou's been able to do just about every week. I think there was one week they were off a bit. But other than that, it's been stellar performances from them every single week. Mm. Yeah, they've had their difficulties this year, I think. But, you know, and again, they gave it some chunk plays last night. But again, that... They they just know how to shut the door really, and I think that's such a valuable. Doesn't matter, and great for fantasy people and fantasy players and whatnot. But in terms of results, it's it's like you just don't. Who cares about how many yards someone gets? It's it's whether they score or not, right? So yeah, exactly. It's the turnovers. Um, they're they're uncannily very good at forcing turnovers in key moments. You know, three fantastic plays last night. You know, that, that linebacking core we've got, i got to be the most underrated linebacking group around the league because they don't get a lot of national press attention. You know, you don't see people on around the NFL like talking about, you know, Pratt and Wilson and the rest of them and Davis Gator, but that, yeah. they are just such a fantastic unit. You know, they just, I think every year they seem to get better. They're always available. You know, they're not good. You know, it's a stupid thing for me to say, but, you know, you don't see them getting hurt too much and missing time. They're just real leaders out there and just do great work under you know un- under the sort of um the cover of darkness you know just getting in there making big plays and I, yeah i just think they really are a top bunch of lads getting the work done yeah i know i agree they're fantastic and uh great to see them back putting it all together in in the way that we know uh that they can um um right should we get to our correspondence because as you can imagine there's a lot to get through and uh yeah let, let's 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 have a go let's see what you guys are saying out there Solid all right let's start with james fox at james fox 1981 we look like contenders again super bowl bengals are back very assured performance but shows how reliant we are on a fully fit joe boy to make the team cook on gas well it does really i guess it's the same for every star quarterback, really. Um, don't you think, Nathan? It's, it's, it, uh, we've seen it so many times. If a star quarterback goes down, then it's it's difficult to to kind of, you know, reach those heights again. Really. Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because I mean, I, like I said before, I think the Bengals. I don't know. That in some ways, they probably should have given. You know, if they had a backup that you were that confident in, you would have been interested to see how they would have been fared differently, you know, the first couple of games, especially when Joe Boy was really struggling. Um, but you look around the league, I mean, the Browns and, you know, the, uh, like the Ravens in the past, even the Steelers, you know, they, they've done well with backup quarterbacks. And I, I, it's a concern, I suppose, in some ways that, you know, obviously most teams, like you said, are reliant on their star quarterbacks. But... You do want to think that you'd like to think of the quality we've got there with Mixon, Chase, you know, Orlando Brown, the line that you know they would be able to still set, you know, play to a reasonable standard without Joe Boyd. But it does seem like you know they are very much relying on him, sort of commanding the game and playing with confidence. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Right, um, Amy at Amy Smith Photos already mentioned her once. I'm sure happy to mention her again. I'm not saying it's a lucky charm. But the Bengals are 1-0 since we, uh, i.e. her and Dan, got engaged. So, you know, maybe you should just do it every week. Just, Dan, get on get on your hand and knee. <laughs> Not hand and knee, that, that's something else entirely. Um, 
get on your knee, down on one knee, and uh, propose every week, perhaps. Um, but yeah, many congratulations. M- much love to Amy and Dan um, going forward. Uh, Scott Gibb, unfortunately, uh, at Scott Gibb one. Hello, Scott. Unfortunately, I'd too, I'd had to watch on Sky because of the blackout on DAZN. Now I love Romo and his analysis, but how much did everyone hate him trying to say things about us? Nice things about us. Laughable and a bit cringe. Enjoy the trip, everybody. Um, yeah, so <clears throat> it's, uh, I don't know. I didn't really pick that up. I thought he was quite fair last night, Romo. I think he's I think he's a fan of Burrow and the Bengals. Him and Nance have seen quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of us over the past couple of years. Did you think there was anything going on there? I love particularly. I think you know sometimes he can force some narratives, can't he, to try and sound a bit smart, Tony Romo. For the most part, I like him. I think him and Jim Nance are pretty. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good commentators in the NFL. It's a bit different to English football. There's a lot of bad commentators, but I do, yeah. I do love the coverage. To be honest, for the most part. Yeah, uh, Jamie at Trek Art Beaster. Well, that's perked me up. No question. Joe Burrow is a robot. The trade deadline is this week. I know we'll probably not do anything, but I'd really like a tight end to put the finishing touches to the on the offense. I can go one further. The trade line, deadline is Tuesday the thirty first, which is tomorrow. Uh, I think I can't remember whether it's midday or maybe later on in the day, but it is tomorrow. But the question, really, I mean, we—I think the question, the answer that we would give, and we talked, spoke about this last week, didn't we? It's yes, we do think the Bengals will do something, but actually they're probably not because they're kind of philosophically uh, opposed to trades. Um, and Paul Dana Jr. made a really good point in here that, here that podcast growling last week. This would be the opportune time to do it because they've got some comp picks next year. So they've got a couple of extra picks to play with. So why not trade? Uh, why not you you know package something up and trade for a tight end? You know why not look at a running back or you know I yeah I, I, would, I would I would I'm sure they're having a little look to see who's out there and who's available. But I mean I wouldn't hold your breath though, right? I, I agree. I'm, I'm, I, I think it, I don't think they will. But you look around the league. I mean, just in the last like twenty minutes or so, the Giants. Um, have traded Leonard Williams to the Seahawks, you know, big move back. Yeah, a second round pick in 24 and a fifth round in 25. But there's a lot of rumours going around that the Ravens are big players for Derrick Henry, and that's terrifying, isn't it? You know, you think that offence of Derrick Henry and Lamar from a rushing standpoint, you know, what that would offer the Ravens. And I think it's obvious we're weak at tight end. You know, Irv Smith's not really lived up to the billing through seven weeks. Yes. Um, there's not much behind him in the nicest sense, you know, in terms of receiving ability. Um, I think it is a clear weakness. And, you know, you look around the league, there's people there to be had for not, you know, you're not giving up a first, second, third round pick, not by any means, you know. Um, I think you'd be giving up realistically like a fifth or a sixth at best. And, you know, with the greatest respect, there's not many, with the exception of Andre Yoshibas, just a quick note on that, but with the exception of him being a fifth round pick, like, you know, in the past, or sixth round pick, excuse me, um, we've not got much luck in the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds. And I think if you could bring in a Hunter Henry, a Hayden Hurst, someone like that, um, just to come in and, you know, sort of give us a bit more depth, I think it will be extremely well received. Same on the defensive line. You know, you saw Trey, I was I was wincing when Trey Hendrickson went down yesterday. It looked like a bad one. He was hobbling off and you'd think, goodness me, if he was to go down, 
that defence loses arguably its most impactful, probably its most impactful player, and you'd be in trouble, you know, in terms of sheer impact. I don't think we've seen enough really for what we'd want to from someone like Joseph Asai, Cam Samples, all right. You know, there's some decent sort of younger players there trying to make their mark. But I think if you were to bring in a bit of a talent on that D-line, a bit of a rental till the end of the year, like a Carl Lawson, who's been the biggest name um, that people have talked about, and at the end of a contract, you wouldn't have to pay him much, um, I don't believe, from reading around on Twitter and stuff like that. It just feels like that would be a really smart move for the Bengals, just to give them a bit of an edge. Um, and I think it'll be a disappointment if they don't, because other teams will get better, especially in the AFC. You know, it's a matter of time, but I do think someone like the Ravens will make a move. I do think someone, you know, like the Chiefs have, have done it in the past and made moves where they feel like they need to, you know, plug holes and gaps. You know, there'll be teams of Bills. I wouldn't be surprised if they fancy, you know, they've been a little bit perhaps of their standard below par. So, yeah, I think that, you know, that they genuinely okay we're back in the room now um oh dear uh not play the blinder here so basically we've had to as i explained earlier we had to do the or at least record the first part of the podcast on zoom and i'm not a premium subscriber of zoom so uh we decided to split uh the two halves (laughs) And guess what I forgot to do in the second half? Um, That was press record. So I've had an absolute nightmare. And apologies to Nathan, um, because all the fantastic things um, he said in the second half of the podcast is gone. He's gone for good. So there you go. Uh, You always know what you're going to get with us. Complete incompetence and unprofessionalism. So apologies. But I am going to rattle through some of the um, the rest of the correspondence because it's only fair. I do enjoy giving you guys a platform to express yourself. So uh, Peter Dadswell at Dadders. Most impressive wins under Zach Taylor for me in no particular order. KC Chiefs regular season two years ago. The Chiefs in the AFC Championship game two years ago. The Bills the divisional round last year. And this 49 is one. Thoughts? Um... Nathan threw in there the Raiders playoff win because that obviously ended such a drought. Uh, It was a huge relief and a fantastic feeling. And I threw in the game against the Titans when we really weren't very good, but just showing signs that uh, there was something there. So um, there we go. VB of On Blade, one of those rare, complete displays. Joe is his old self. Mix looked explosive. D was huge. Glad Trey came back. It was a well-coached game. I think the trick is to let Lou and Brian do their thing and Zach to get out of the way. <laughs> Great result. Uh, Rob Hill at Shawley this season. and uh, Nathan gave him a solid handle. Uh, when you can run the ball and when your QB is mobile and confident, then it opens up your passing game. When our passing game is open, then anything is possible. It's onwards and upwards from here, I reckon. Martin at Dorset Bengal. When the Niners made it 24-17, I did feel a bit nervous. I shouldn't have. The next drive proved that our team is back. Zach and co. clearly love a bye week, don't they just? And made the point that it's the complete opposite to Marvin. Do you remember Mar- Remember the Marvin's teams after a bye week? They looked as though they'd just woken up, basically, after a week and a half long slumber. 
And Nathan suggested that, uh, weirdly, <laughs> that Marvin used to like go go fishing uh, during the bye weeks and uh, maybe not paying attention to, to things at, at Paul Brown. Anyway, Pat Mabolics, Pat Mabolics, fantastic on both sides of the ball. Superb to see a fully mobile Joe Burrow and mixing having a day. Can't wait for next week. That's this week, Scott. Scott is is part of the the group that's coming over. Can't wait to see Scott again and hang out. Sam Reeve, Johnny Prong, awesome performance across the board. Joe clearly back to his best in terms of movement and extending the play. Uh, balance looked good from run and pass. Uh, only concern would be tight ended if Mixon went down in terms of backup. We haven't mentioned that before. Danny B one. 414 at Danny B1 414. I'm afraid, Danny, that Nathan uh, gave you a shocking handle for that, and I felt, I felt a bit bad because listen to this uh, Danny is an Ohio native and a loyal listener now in Austin, Texas. Uh, what an awesome win! I'm looking forward to more Yoshivash TV TDs where it's clear to the broadcast they actually scored. Enjoy the trip, uh, Bengals UK fans. Will you be in a black stripe or orange stripe section for the stripe hat? We are in the black sections up in the crazies. So if you see us, come and say hello. Uh, BB at Blue Bengals 5, our first complete performance of the season. Burrow, another level today. And then when that happens, we win games. Uh, Donny at Ippy Don says kind of the same the performance we've been waiting for all season bring on next weekend and the Bills here here Paul Picar Burns at Picar Burns I should say uh, Mixon was on fire Joe Boy dancing around to avoid getting sacked just imagine what the score could have been if they had taken all the chances they'd created what a way to spend a Sunday evening uh, Stuzy72 at Neil underscore Stewart underscore and experience and reliable tight end could take this team up another level in my opinion I live in hope really enjoyed that one last night uh, so that's your lot really uh, as we might have mentioned once or twice before um, uh, me and 34 other British Bengals fans will be converging on the city of Cincinnati from uh, Friday night, we should be in town about 10 o'clock-ish, local time. And then, uh, goodness me, um, we're going to be here, there and everywhere. So if you see us around town, do come and say hello. We'll be out and about on Saturday night, no doubt. And then it's all the fun of the fair on uh, Sunday afternoon and evening. I've never been to a um, a night game before, so this is going to be a heck of an experience for me personally. Um, I'm looking to record next week's podcast from within Paycor, the walls of the hallowed stadium. Uh, so with a fair wind and good luck, I will be there next Tuesday um, speaking to Nathan. Um, really looking forward to that. Obviously did manage to very lucky and privileged to have done that last year. And I think it's going to be the same uh, this year. So. Uh, until next week, until from within the walls of Paycor, it is a who day from me. And I can tell you right now that Nathan said that as well. So, yeah, speak to you next week. And thanks for listening.
And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.